Blog Talk Radio. They had free reign of the property. They'd sneak out behind the garage. 
what they were doing. Their mom and daddy didn't see what they were doing, but I saw what they were doing. I saw them taking chemicals out of the bombing room of the funeral home. I saw them sneaking behind the garage, smoking cigarettes when they were little kids. But you know, one particular afternoon, I was leaving to go to school. As I backed my car out of the funeral home, I looked behind, and who do I see? That red-haired devil seed undertaker with his little brother. Something was funny. Something didn't seem right. But I went ahead and backed out of the driveway and went to school. I came back from school about 10 o'clock that night, and what do I see? I see fire trucks. I see ambulance. I see steam and smoke. And I see the funeral home in ashes. Someone burned down the funeral home. Inside the funeral home was this lovely family that took care of me. I looked over to the bushes. Who did I see in the bushes but the Undertaker? Undertaker, you burnt the funeral home to the ground. And there you have it. Paul Bearer at his best. Uh, Unfortunately, this year we lost a great one. Uh, one of the best managers uh, in all of wrestling, Paul Bearer, Bill Moody, uh, passed away this week. Uh, so it'd be fitting tribute to play one of uh, his best promos, giving us the the story and the history of uh, Kane, the Undertaker's brother, and a very unique character to say the least. Uh, probably one of the most unique uh, managers, if not the most unique managers uh, in the history of wrestling. Uh, Obviously, Percy Pringle first off, and then, but most people know him as Paul Bearer. Uh, for myself, uh, very lucky that uh, while in Atlanta for WrestleMania, had was very fortunate to meet him and uh, could not say enough nice things about uh, Paul Bearer. And I know his name was Bill, but I can't help but just refer to him as as Paul. Um, just a real nice guy, and uh, the one thing that struck me in, as as far as meeting him was. Uh, his reluctance to take any credit uh, for for the Undertaker's success. I actually had said to him that he, uh, you know, that he should, you know, it's pretty amazing that you know early on, especially with uh, the Undertaker and his character and the limited speaking that they they gave the Undertaker, that Paul Bearer had a lot to do with uh, putting that character over and. Uh, when I said that to him, he he, it was borderline. He almost took offense to it. That is, no, 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 you can't, no, 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 no. The Undertaker's great. The Undertaker. I'm like, and I said, no, he is obviously great, but you did a lot to kind of, you know, get that ball. He's like, no, no, don't, don't say that, don't say that. And so, um, a, a guy who is just beyond humble, uh, as far as uh, taking credit for any sort of success. But I mean, when you look at 
The Undertaker and Kane and the success that those two have had over the years, um, I don't think enough could be said for uh, Paul Bearer and how he was able to get those characters over, how great a manager he was. And uh, uh, the wrestling industry lost a, a great this week. So uh, we'd like to send best wishes out to uh, the family, Bill Moody's family. Uh, rest in peace. And uh, bring my tag team partner on the line. Dave is here. And Dave was actually, uh, we were all there at the bar that night. I uh, got to hang out with uh, Paul Bearer a little bit and um, just talk. And, you know, again, Dave, he was one of those guys that just uh, was okay with just hanging out with uh couple fans and just talking about the the wrestling business yeah absolutely it was a it was a pleasure of mine um uh, you know uh, getting to meet him and talk with him and it was kind of funny that night that uh you know we were in the it was, we were in the hotel uh bar where uh you know the wwe was staying in atlanta and it was it was a crowded bar and the service wasn't the greatest um and uh he the first thing he said to us he goes he goes can i can i sneak in here to grab a drink and we, we we were at the corner of the bar, so he 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 parked his you know his his, uh, his spot right there, and then uh, he says, "What do I got to do to get a drink around here?" Um, and then we just started talking and chatting it up, and like you said, he was very reluctant to to take uh, any form of credit for the success of the Undertaker uh, character, um, which you know it was, it was we've said this word a lot in this show, but humbling. Uh, you know, and he he must have felt you know very humbled as well. Um, I remember watching. Um, before he became Paul Bear, the first time I ever saw him was when he was uh, Percy Pringle um, in the later years of World Class Championship Wrestling. Um, I believe it was, I want to say it was when, just around the time when the, the, the Jarrett's, uh, Jerry and Jeff Jarrett, bought the territory. Um, it was on ESPN, and uh, he was managing Rick Rude. Um, and, you know, he was somebody, you know, back then as a kid, he was somebody that, you know, you saw, and you know, as a, as a heel manager, you you wanted to hate him. And especially with Rick Rude, a guy who was just a heat magnet overall throughout his entire career, um, you know, they, they, they worked pretty well together. So then when he came to the WWE and, and uh, was introduced as the Undertaker's manager, um, he wasn't initially with the Undertaker at first. It was Brother Love, and Brother Love brought Paul Bear, And I was like, oh, my God, that's Percy Pringle. And, uh an interesting story that I, I just I saw an interview this week. It was an old clip of uh, somebody interviewing Bobby Heenan, and they were talking about Paul Bearer. And uh, Bobby Heenan had mentioned that when he first met uh, Bill Moody, um, you know, he was he had bleach blonde hair and he had you know a coat with sequins. And Bobby Heenan said, well, you know, what's your what's your character? What's your gimmick? And he said, you know, he goes, he goes, well, I'm a heel manager. I manage you know so and so, and I'm trying to you know. He says, he goes, he goes, you're, you're a big inspiration to me, you know, and he says, he goes, it's flattering, but, you know, don't try to be like me because everyone's going to think you're a Bobby Heenan ripoff. you got to do something different to be successful in the wrestling business. And eventually, that's what he did when he became the Paul Bearer character. He came in at a time where a lot of the wrestling managers of the late 80s, and, and you know, were, were dominant forces. I mean, he had Mr. Fuji, Jimmy Hart, Bobby the Brain Heenan, um, you know, I mean, Miss Elizabeth, the list goes on and on. And Bearer kind of, Paul Bearer just kind of became like the figurehead for the for the manager of the 90s, so to speak. He was that new, you know, as they were phasing Mr. Fuji out slowly and they were phasing Bobby Heenan out and Jimmy Hart was taking a limited role. Paul Bearer was kind of like the new 
you know, figurehead for the managers in, in the WWF at the time. Um, and he had such great success. I mean, you know, his, his character, you know, he had the pale, pasty white face and his voice. Um, you know, that, oh, my Undertaker. I mean, he was just, it was, it, 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 and the fact that he, you know, in real life, he was a certified mortician. It just fit perfectly with the character, with the Undertaker character, and it was just a, a you know a, a match made in heaven. I mean, after he left the Undertaker, he went out to manage Mankind, and that worked. But he never reached the level of success that he did with other guys like Mankind and Vader and Kane that he did with the Undertaker. Um, it's sorely missed, and uh, you know I I I I think about Atlanta in that evening, and you know when I when I think of Paul Bear and how nice he was and. And uh, you know, just glad to you know, you know, be around wrestling fans, and uh, you know, he will be missed. Rest in peace, Mister uh, William Moody. Yeah, I mean, you bring up good points. I mean, he he was such a you know, when he came in as as Paul Bearer, he was such the antithesis of what we had seen at a manager's. Uh, you know, so many of the managers of the '80s, very flashy, very in your face, just as um, you know, just it was the '80s. Um, and, and it was such a sharp contrast when uh, Paul Bearer, uh, you know, he immediately just grabbed your attention with, with that voice, with the look, with the, the dark hair. And, uh, you know, it, just, it, it, it was such a unique character. And again, you know, I mean, people have said that The Undertaker is probably, if, if not, and look, if you want to argue and say that The Undertaker is the greatest wrestler of all time, I, I'm not going to say you're out of your mind. Uh, but one thing I, I would say that I, I I do think Taker is probably the best character of all time. Uh, such a unique individual. You know, he went through the American badass phase, but just uh, you know, for the bulk of his career, this this undead uh, type of of character. Um, you know, not enough can be said. I mean, you know, sometimes the stars align and, and things work out, and. The, the way Paul Barrow was able to help put that character over was just, uh, you know, a testament to him. And even when, you know, when Brother Love did introduce Paul Bearer and just how Paul was the antithesis of what Brother Love was. Brother Love in the the white suit and the, the blonde hair and the incredibly red face, um, you know, and then you bring Paul Bearer on and it's just the dark suit, the dark... Uh, hair and mustache and eyebrows and just the, the just bleached looking skin. Um, you know, it was just tremendous what he was able to do. And, and what was great also in Atlanta, you know, talking wrestling and everything, he finally, you know, I had never known, and, and I guess the story's out there, but, you know, there was years ago where they did an angle where uh, it was The Undertaker and it was the Dudleys. And the under and Paul Bearer was in a, a this glass container that was filling with uh, concrete. And, you know, that's why I love wrestling, because that's it's the only business you could actually say, like, oh, yeah, remember back when, uh, you know, he was tied in a chair and being filled in a container with concrete? Um, but, uh, you know, he was being filled, and, and Taker had to uh, basically... Had to win the match and turn off the lever to save uh, Paul Bearer to stop the concrete from pouring in. Um, and as uh, the storyline progressed, uh, Undertaker decided to let him, you know, 
be buried in the concrete because uh, caring for Paul Bearer, that was a weakness in him. And uh, it was one of those things where I just always wondered how they did it. And Paul actually sat there and uh, talked with us and explained the whole angle and that they they pre-taped some stuff. And when that aired, he was actually on the plane. Uh, he, he wasn't even in the arena when it and just sat and explained the whole thing to us and how they figured it all out. It was just... Again, it was cool that he uh, was able to spend that time with us. Uh, again, I sorely missed a, a great definitely in the business. And, uh, you know, like you said, Dave, rest in peace. So um, thank you all for tuning in. This is The Ken Reedy Show. Um, check us out on Facebook.com slash the, the Ken Reedy Show. Twitter at The Ken Reedy Show. And, uh, you know, right now, Tuesdays, we're going to be on uh, 1640 AM. And you can also listen to us on the Internet, so check that out. And, uh, you know, I, I don't mention this enough, but you can also find us on iTunes. Uh, once the shows are, are done, they're posted up there on iTunes, so go check us out there. And uh, we're lucky today because we actually uh, we have a guest, and uh, I believe it's him on the lines. So we're going to get right to it, but uh, we're fortunate enough to, to plan this all out. And um, we have a WWE Hall of Famer, Coco Beware, is, is with us. Coco, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you doing, sir? Doing all right. Thank you so much for giving us a call. Um, you know, let's let's start off. I and mean, we started off the show. Um, very sad news this week uh, with the passing of uh, Bill Moody. Um, you had you were fortunate enough to. For, for some reason, for some reason, you're breaking up. Are, are you there now? Okay, that's good. Yeah, I'm here now. All right. Um, I don't know how much of that you got, but uh, you were the Undertaker's uh, first opponent in the WWE. Just tell us a little bit about what it was like working with Bill Moody. Well, you know, back in the day, back in the Florida, uh, under the promoter Graham, uh, the late Eddie Graham, I don't know if you're familiar with him, yes. with the NWA wrestling. Well, I uh, I had to, we had the opportunity that uh, Paul Bear was uh, one of our, he was he managed uh, the PYT Express while we was there. Uh, Novell Austin and, yeah. and myself, and uh, and it was a, it was a great honor. Percy he went in, he went in as, as Percy Percy Pringle, my understanding, and. Uh, what a fantastic guy he was back then, and I'm sure, you know, down the line, I mean, we just kept running into other stuff, you know, and he was this awesome fella, and you know, and it just it, it just it hurts my heart when any any of us pass. You all, you know, you part of the wrestling, anybody part of the wrestling family, like the wrestling fans, or or you know, just not even. Well, not even mention our parents and, and our relatives and stuff like that. It is home. It hurts. You know, it hurts big time. So, but we all, you know, we all got to go that same way. But, golly, man, it just hurts, man, when we lose a loved one, you know? Yeah, I'm sorry. Definitely, you know, I, I mean, you know, we we were fortunate enough to meet him. And, uh, you know, really a, a great guy, um, just a really nice guy. And uh, sorry for your loss and, obviously, the, the industry uh, – uh, lost one of the greats. Had you been in touch in, in recent years? Uh, not at all. You know, 
Uh, I have not. Okay, let's let's uh, move on to, to your career because you know the business has changed so much over the years, and and now nowadays young wrestlers coming up, there's there's a uh, a vast indie scene, and there's also obviously Tough Enough, and TNA has their gut check, and there's a lot of different avenues. Can you tell us a little bit? I, I mean, we love the history of the business. Just about you and, and breaking into the business and, and eventually getting to the WWF at the time. Um, what it was like for you breaking in and, and, you know, how you just got into wrestling? Well, you know, that was something I always wanted to do. I was just like every other wrestler that someone will uh, admit this and someone will not admit it, that they was a, they was a wrestling fan at, at one time. They they first bought them tickets, or they bought them stuff for a ticket to go see the the wrestling matches back in the day, and that's what I that's what I I used to go to the wrestling, and it was a, I just felt in love with it. I thought that I, hey, that was the best thing that was in my life, the best thing that could happen to me, and this is something I really wanted to do. I I wanted to be a professional wrestler, and you know when. When I got the negative talk and stuff saying, Coco, you're not going anywhere off your side, the size you are, and stuff like that. But I proved everybody wrong. Uh, man, I had some fellows who was working out one day in this little old barn in Union City, Tennessee. And I know the wrestling was on a Thursday night, but these guys was working out on a Sunday, Sunday evening. And I was just having to ride my ride my by there, and I heard all the wrestling. And I said, "Wait a minute, this is not Thursday night. This is Sunday evening." And I tried to lay my bicycle down on the ground there, and you know, didn't have a kickstand or anything like that. And I just kind of eased in there, in the back door, the side door, and, I, and, they, and one of them me said, "Man, what are you doing?" I said, well, "I said I'm just here." I was excuse me, I'm just here just to, I heard wrestling going on. I was just trying to see what's going on. But uh, he said, "Well, come on in," because he they saw they saw something in me. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure they did because they said, "Oh my God!" Back then, I was a big football player, you know, in high school, and I was all you know. I, I was like 215 pounds, was solid as a rock, and they. They just said, "Well, now I don't want to. I don't want to really make him mad too much because he looked like he's pretty good shape and and stuff like that." But they had me to come in there, and uh, I asked him. I said, "Hey, man, I love this. I love to wrestle." I said, "Any way possible that I can start working out with you guys and stuff like that?" He said, "Well, I tell you what, you need to run home and get a relief notice from from your parents and stuff like that because we 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 just we're not gonna hold up, you know." be liable for your responsibility if anything got if you got hurt anything like that. So I went home and I told my mother about it. My dad wasn't at home and then she finally wrote something uh, I don't even know what she wrote down but it passed anyway, you know. <laughs> but it was really thing. And I was so tickled to death and I start I start wrestling, uh start working out for those fellows, man. And uh, I could not believe it. I worked out a whole year before I even had my first match. In 1978, uh, they they all, they invited me to come to a little town called Paducah, Kentucky. Paducah, <laughs> little small town, and uh, they said, "Come on, we have a wrestling here tonight." And I said, "Okay." And he said, "Well, bring your bag just in case you may not you 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 may you may, you may wrestle because somebody may not show up 
and you might get a chance to wrestle a little bit. I said, oh, but I was, you know, so I went got my little bag. In fact, I got a little bag. It was like, wasn't a real bag. A little small little sack or something, you know, just enough for my little tennis shoes. And they have it in the wrestling booth. <laughs> tennis shoes and a pair of gym shorts or something like that. And so when I when we got there, uh, the guys was taking their bags out of the truck of the car and stuff like that. And then he said, are you going to get your bag? Are you going to sack or whatever? I said, you know I'm not last thing, so well, just in case, you don't have to run back to your car. They had all kinds of excuses, you know, you know, for me to carry my bag, I mean, my little sack and everything. So when we got in the dressing room, there was these great big humongous monsters walking around there, man. I said, oh, my God. I mean, they look like the WWE type of guys and stuff like muscle down, look good and all that stuff. I'm talking about this year where, where I believe we're wrestling all started. It was a pop belly beer drinking type of guys. What I'm saying, you know. And uh, I was going, okay, wow. So I'm I got over the corner and sat down and and uh, just looking around and stuff like that. And then the promoter came over and said, Coco, you're a Coco kid. At that time, I was like, Coco kid. And I said, yes, sir. She said, oh. You are a big shot already, aren't you? You're a big shot. I said, what do you mean? Oh, you, uh, you, I guess you're on last tonight. Or you say, you, I guess you're not going to get dressed because you're not, you, you, uh, you're on last. I said, I'm not even wrestling, sir. I'm sorry. So he said, come here, let me show you something. Hey, don't you know he showed me, there he pulled out the poster, Coco Kid versus the Super Destroyer. <laughs> I said, what? Man, you're talking about my heart done dropped down in my stomach. Man, my whole pride, my whole life, everything. Nervous, was getting sick, had headaches. He said, you are wrestling tonight. In fact, you're on second. And I said, uh, Oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. And, they, and those guys, they tricked me into this. And they was all on the floor laughing. And don't <laughs> you know, I, I went out there with the Super Destroyer, and he, I'm telling you, he turned me every way but loose. And I, I really didn't wake up till the next Thursday on my mother's couch because I didn't, I wasn't able to get into bed. The couch was as full as I made it. Wow. And, uh. Man, I tell you, and that's and 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 that day from that day on, that's how I, I really start uh, getting into into the professional wrestling and uh, started my career out right there, right in Union City, Tennessee, my hometown. What well, what was it like when you first got that that call from? Uh, well, tell us what like getting that call from Vince McMahon that uh, the WWF was was interested, and what was that whole process like uh, going over to the WWF? Well, uh, it was like around 1985, I guess, 85. Uh, now, it was it was 86. Put it, it was 86 I was in, in Louisiana working for Mid-South Wrestling under the promoter Bill Watts. And uh, when I get a phone call from, from WWF, but it's E now, scratch that one, <laughs> scratch the F, okay, and uh, it was Howard Finkel. And I was, and how and I thought it was I thought the boys was ribbing me. 
He said, Coco, we were, this is Howard Finkel from WWE. I said, you got to be kidding me. I don't believe it. I, come on, fellas. Don't rib me like this. This is, not a, this is not time to rib like this. He said, I'm telling you, this is Howard Finkel from the WWE back. I said, you know, Vince McMahon wanted me to call and, and see if you'd like to come up and have a meeting with him about coming in and work for us. And I said, oh, Lord. I said, I still didn't believe it. I said, I tell you what, if you're Howard Finkel, let, let, me, uh, let me call you right back. And uh, he said, I, he said, I said, well, give me your number, because he came up as a private number. I said, give me your number, and I can call you back. So he gave me a 203 number, which was in Connecticut. Then I started believing it because the 203 number. So I hung up. He hung up, and I called him back. Yes, Coco, now you believe me? I said, oh, my God, I cannot, I can't believe it. You took my heart dropped again. Here it is. I've been wrestling down in Memphis, Tennessee for five years and stuff like that. Went went to uh, a Mid-South Wrestling, uh, uh, wrestling other promoter, Bill Watts, and then then I get an opportunity to wrestle with the WWE back then. Oh, my God. So, uh, I, you know, they finally, we got everything worked out. They flew me up there first class and everything, they rolled out the red carpet. I said, I can't believe it. Here's a little, a little black dude from uh, Union City, Tennessee, man, in the population of 10,000. I go to New York City. Man, rolled out the red carpet. You talk about, man, golly, <laughs> a country bumpkin, man. I'm telling you, I was just like, wow. You know, you know. I mean, I thought that was the biggest thing that happened to me in my whole entire life, you know. And and when I got there, man, I, they sent me there. I was sitting there in the office, the big, big limousine ride. The first time I ever was in a limousine. I'm talking about a long stretch from the airport to all the way to Connecticut. Man, I said, wow. I only saw this when the president of the United States was getting their limos and stuff. I didn't think I would have, I didn't think that would be the day for me. But uh, when I got there, man, I'm telling you, it was just it was phenomenal, man. It was just the first class service that I had, Mr. Ware, everything was Mr. Ware. Mr. Ware, you need something to drink. You need this. You need something to eat. You need this, Mr. Ware. You, this, uh, Mr. McMahon will, will be out in a minute. Everything was Mr. McMahon will be out in a minute. And it looked like it took him forever to come out of that, his office or where he was, wherever he was at. I sit in that chair, man, and I was just, just waiting. I was waiting, waiting, waiting to talk to him. And then finally, kind of 30, 40 minutes later, this black man pops out, all in his nice three-piece suit and everything. I mean, he's still got the same character that he has today on, on TV right now. I mean, but back then, he still have still have that same character. Coco, how you doing? Hey, welcome to the WWE. My name is Vince McMahon. Welcome aboard. And man, you know, he said, and then we got to talking and stuff like that and all this stuff. And then he said, uh, Coco, uh, after the conversation was just about over, he said, is there anything uh, that you like to, you know, add to your uh, your gimmick? You know, and you know what? God bless my wife back then. She, she didn't go down. 
She said, if the opportunity come up, you show him this bird picture that, that we that we got. We took a picture out of a pet store and say, here, Vince, I would love, love to have this parrot. I said, Vince, I'd love to have this parrot to, to go around the world and stuff. And that's the reason why they call me the Birdman Coco Beware. And he said, wow, what a great idea. He said, you, you mean you want to take this bird everywhere? And you let me, you let me find... I said, this, I said, this is what's going to make me be on the same level as Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, um, Paul Randolph, all the big superstars back back in the day, you know. And I said, man, I, I, I said, that would, I, that would get over with the kids and everybody. So he said, okay. He said, oh, my God, I can't believe we Now we got now we got a snake. I mean, we got a, we got a bird. We got a dog. Now we now we got snakes and stuff like that. So we we got another one animals here. So I said, oh, I said, well, I'd rather do that. And he said, okay. So they finally made it happen. I got a a bird, and and I tell you, that bird it was taken off. The whole gimmick took off for WWE, and brother, that's where Coco Beware was discovered, man. That's where my life was just completely flying. You know what? I was flying so fast from. From one one city to another city and, and around the world and stuff like that, that I really thought I was the Birdman. Coco, this is uh, Diamond Dave Coast over here. I just wanted to ask you, uh, you were, um, you know, you just mentioned, you know, your time in the WWF when you first got there. You got there right around the '86 when the the, the boom period and the rock and wrestling connection hit, and. Um, a lot of guys in your in, in in your era have told some uh some funny interesting road stories ribs and stuff like that. You got any interesting stories about uh one iron sheik? I've heard a lot of stuff, but I was wondering maybe what anything any funny encounters you've had with him traveling anything like that. Well, I just I this funny thing, the iron sheik, God bless his heart. He was the only guy that Vince McMahon fired for 11 times and brought him back 11 times. <laughs> he fired him for 11 times and brought him back. And don't you know, everybody applauded when he brought him back every single time because everybody loved the Sheik. You know, uh, one time we was was all in the dressing room and, and uh, the Sheik was always, he's always doing his, his, his push-ups, his, his dumbbells and stuff like that over his head. So McMahon kind of walked, walked through there he said, she, and she just dropped all his dumbbells and all that, his, his clubs and all. And, uh, yes, sir, he stood against him. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, boss. He said, she, you tested positive for for something. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. And, he, and she said, she said, Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. See that, Nikolai? I told you the sheik was clean. I told you, you know, he couldn't. He didn't know what this was talking about. <laughs> I mean, I just, I mean, he just, he just walking around and beating himself on the chest. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody's on the floor and everything. <laughs> then, uh, Magnet come back and found he said, sheik, I'll be back in a minute. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, boss. He comes back. She's working out again. He jumps up again. He stares at picture with those boots, curled up tunnels, you know, those curled boots he had on the end. And uh, 
is a secret I meant. You had something in your teeth that was no good. <laughs> she she looked at this like, man, can you just imagine she looked how he looked with the mustache was all twisted up, and he went seriously, I be down. You know, Don, Don Morocco, he's the one give me this stuff. He punched for his Don and Don Morocco is ah. You dumb son of a gun. Why in the world that she never mentioned my name? It's, oh my god. Boy, this was looking at Don. What did you give the shaking? Oh, and Don just, just, just dropped his hands. Oh my god, I can't believe it. You know, come on, then she can go. Come on, Don. You know, you give me this stuff. You know, she don't know anything about this. Uh, you give it to me. You give you told me to take this. <laughs> and it was funny. That was one. Of, that was one of the funniest things that that I uh, that that happened. With one of them, and uh, there was another one that when the British bird dogs they got this this little midget. God bless his heart. They got him drunk at the bar. <laughs> they had, they got him drunk so bad. I mean, they messed him up so bad that he fell off his bar stool. <laughs> so they picked him up like a little baby. They took him to his little room. They went, they set him in the bed. They set him up in the bed. And, and he had pretty, pretty black, long hair. And don't you know, they shaved his whole head bald. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> man, and then he just laid him over like he, he just went on to sleep. And I guess the next morning, that's when he had a fit. <laughs> I would imagine. Oh my God! But those bulldogs, they they were something. They was the they was the best rivers, man. You have to you have to watch out for the special that died my kid. I mean, he was terrible, man. He was terrible. <laughs> that's right. You know, Dave Morrow, like you're you're part of like the boom of professional wrestling, and when the rock and wrestling thing, uh, you were a big part of that with. Uh, you're singing, and, and what was it like putting together the, the album Pile Driver, doing the song, and, and obviously the music video? Oh, it was great, man. I tell you, because, you know, I love I love to sing. Uh, I come from a singing family. I, uh, I My father's song and stuff like that, man, but it, it was awesome. It was awesome to, uh, to get out that have that opportunity to uh, be on a, any kind of album, you know, uh, golly, from, from any any company, any big company and stuff. And I was just got the, I was a pleasure that I didn't like the video, but the video took so long. I mean, long, long, long. Uh, we started in San Francisco, let me get it out, at 7, 7 a.m. that morning, we William finished about 6. Wow. Just a just a three minute uh, something like that three minute uh, shoot there, uh, and uh, and that, they said, Coco, you you gonna be the lead singer of Power Hour, and man, I couldn't believe it. I mean, that was just a thrill of my life, and I I still cherish that song now. You know, it was it was good, man. And I'm just glad the fans really enjoy the. The, the listening to it and stuff like that, because man, I tell you, I was so excited 
all this these little things, I just I just my mind just goes back to my little small town. This little this little country boy again from a small town. Here he is doing a big wrestling album for this great big for the WWE back then, you know. And I'm I'm just I was just tickle pink. That's awesome. So yeah, you know, so you bring that up. You keep saying, you know, so you're from a small town. You know, all this stuff, you know, is shocking. You know, you can't believe you think you're being ribbed when you signed with the WWF. You're excited about the video. So now your whole career, you know, goes. You have you have a long-standing career. You get the phone call. Coco, we want you in the WWE Hall of Fame. How how did how that happen? How did the phone call go? And and. Uh, but did you think it was a rib again, or like, what? What that feel like being inducted into the Hall of Fame? I really thought it was a rib again because it took them twenty years to do it. God bless their heart, but uh, and I know the fans out there. I know the fans who kept calling and calling and bugging and bugging and bugging that made this possible for me, and they finally they finally accepted me and. Uh, and and I was asking a lot of questions, you know. I said, hey, okay, what are we going to do at the Hall of Fame? Or uh, are we going to wrestle? Because my thing is, I thought they were going to get me out there and wrestle me and stuff like that, want me to get out there and where somebody dog me out and stuff like that. And I didn't want to do that at all. I just wanted to just come out there, man, and, and, and accept my awards and, and, and just keep keep moving, you know. But I was I was so I was so thankful that I got the chance to be a Hall of Famer because I worked so hard and when got when people promoters and wrestlers and everybody said I wasn't going anywhere and I just proved them all wrong and I just thank God man I just thank God that I was I got a chance to get into the Hall of Fame and and now I'm up there with uh, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Jordan and uh, uh, Jerry Rice and all these other Hall of Famers you know. I just feel like hey, I call, that I am a legend, you know, and I want them to treat me like I'm a, a legend. I don't want them to treat me like I'm Mr. Joe Blow or whatever, and and go out there and let these young let these young generation guys just beat beat me down, and, and uh, because I I served a lot of time there, I spent a lot of time with the WWE, man, and you know I helped pioneer the WWE. You know, I was we the first one on Monday Night Raw. That Yokozuna, Yoko and I was the first match on Monday Night Raw, and he gave me the little, his little uh, set where I, I don't say the the big his big ass thing, but uh, but you know he took it easy on me, you know he took it easy on me, and but some guys he liked, and boy he really gave you the stink face if he didn't like you. <laughs> he would like to leave a half of it in his, you know, he just got to use in the restroom, and he would leave about half of it in his, uh-huh. in his crack his butt. <laughs> and he would really give you the stink face. <laughs> so, so that just, because he used to tell me, say, watch this, watch this light, watch this. This guy here, I don't care too much about him. Watch this, watch this, and he he would just have about he was just half white, maybe one little white, and man, he just oh. his, his, his his face would definitely would be brown, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, you know 
but I was, yeah, he took it easy on me, and I, I thank God, I thank God, you know, and and I'm just glad, I'm just glad that the fans and and uh, and, and and you guys had in the fan of doing it. I just, you know, I just, I just, I just tell the world, thank you, thank you. I'm proud of being in the Hall of Fame because you know what, I worked so hard. When people say this little, this little guy wasn't going anywhere with Memphis, Tennessee, and Golly, you know, and I showed them all that, hey, y'all, that I went all the way to the top. I mean, there is no, I mean, you can't go any further, what I'm saying. You you know, I don't care how many world champions you have, once they put you in the Hall of Fame, you can't go anywhere else. It's a tremendous honor. You know, Coco, you've been great tonight, and thank you so much for, uh, Giving us some time, great stories. Uh, before I let you go, anything? What What are you doing now? What's going on in, in Coco Beware's life now? Well, what I'm doing now, you know, I am a musician in church. I'm still singing gospel. Uh, I still praise God and the head of my life. Without Him, I wouldn't be nothing. But there is. I want to tell all the other wrestlers out there: there is life after wrestling. You can get up off that couch. And make it, but you got to trust in God and mean it. Just not play with God. You got to you got to trust in Him because He can open doors for you that uh, that you don't know anything about. So I'm just I, I'm just telling these guys here: don't sit at home and let your wife and stuff do all the bringing in all the the money and working her herself to death and stuff like that. Get up off the couch. Put you some dirty boots on, and get out there in the mud. Get you a shovel. Get you something, and and God and 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 put your swallow your pride and say, hey, welcome to the real world. You know, because of, like BB King said, the dream is gone. For us, the wrestling business for me, I don't expect to be wrestling in WWE anymore. You know, I don't expect them to even call me in the WWE anymore, but God bless them. I'm not mad at them. I don't have, I still love the business. I'm not upset with the WWE. I'm not upset with uh, TNA. I am not upset with any of the wrestlers, any of the wrestling business out there. The wrestling is my, is in my blood. I may not like what's, what's going on all the time, but you know what? Who am I? You know, it was, I had my time, just like those guys had their time, just like The Rock. I remember Dwayne Johnson when he didn't have, you could buy him for $50, 50 cents, when he, had, when he didn't have a pot to pee in and a back door to throw it out of. I know about I know about him. You know, his nickname is Dewey. That's his nickname. And uh, Dewey was, he was so down, he was so down uh, on his luck when he didn't make it to the NFL football out of, out of college, out of Miami. So he just said, I'd rather, I'd rather give up wrestling. I just, well, I'm just going to give me a real job because I ain't making no money. This was happening down in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm not making any money and stuff like that. And I told him, I said, I said, Rock, I, whether he was Rock, I said, do it, let me tell you. If you get a call from WWF back then, I said, if you get a call, Man, you're a good-looking guy already. The girl's screaming over you already. They haven't did anything to you. And he said, he said, you know what? 
I'm not going there because my dad is already done burning a lot of bridges. I said, don't go there acting like your dad. I said, if you go there acting like your dad, then you can be burning the same bridges. I said, you just go there and be yourself. Keep your mouth shut and and and, uh, and see what they're going to offer you. I said, they may give you a chance that you can make you some money. And don't you know he got a he got an opportunity to go to WWE and look at him now. You can't touch him. I couldn't even buy him. I couldn't even get him for fifty dollars now. <laughs> Tremendous stuff. Get close to him. You know, I, I can't get close to him for fifty dollars. <laughs> but all the things I wanted him to do, and it hurt me so bad. I just wanted him not to give me any money or whatever. I just wanted him to pick up that phone. And I said, Coco, man, I really appreciate for those kind words that you gave me when I when when nobody else would. Did nobody come and sit down and talk to me? But you was the only one, and that's the living truth. May God bless me, my uh, my wife, my, my all my kids and stuff. You know, this is this is not uh, a joke. This is it's a this is real. You know, I just wish he would would call and and just and just and, just, and say, hey. I really appreciate that, you know, but I really appreciate you guys calling me. I mean, that I called you guys to give me the opportunity to talk to the fans, talk to you all, and God bless you all. And and I'm telling you, I still love the business. I still love WWE. I mean, they they so so successful and stuff like that. But you know, I'm not mad at the world about it. I just I'm, my time is up, man. My time is up. The bull man can't fly like he used to. I'm a, I, I got to walk on the ground now. <laughs> Tremendous, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'd love to have you on again in, in the future. Lots of great stories, and we'd love to hear more from you. Uh, thank, thanks for giving us some time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. And I want to give one shout out. Then I'm ready to go uh, to the fellow that made it possible, uh, Mr. Trivet. Tri- uh, Trivia. Uh, trivia, yes. Let me get it right. Let me make sure I give him a plug because, you know what, he made this happen because he's, he's one of my best friends and we talk all the time. And I want to thank God for you uh, and for making this happen. And may yeah. God bless you all, guys. If I don't ever hear you talk to you guys again, y'all, y'all get God in your life. I guarantee you, you go a lot further than you're going now. Thank you. I appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Thank you, brother. Take care. Thank you, Coco. Uh, unbelievable. That was that was a, a lot of fun. And, you know, starting the show off on kind of a somber note, like that was just what the doctor ordered. Tremendous interview. Uh, some pointed words towards the end. Uh, just wants a phone call from The Rock. But, uh, uh, again, as Coco said towards the end, uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Trivia, a friend of the show who uh, made that possible. But, uh, Dave, I, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was pretty cool, man. Uh, you know, like this radio thing has taken us on a wild ride. Now I can say I've interviewed a WWE Hall of Famer as a wrestling fan, as you know, as a as a radio personality. That's that, that that's badass right there. That you know, thank you, Mr. Trivia, too, for uh, for 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 arranging uh, for Coco Beware to be on. I I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're I mean, Dave and I were, we're both big fans of the business, and we we really respect and love the business. And uh, um, you know, I know it's radio, and no, and it probably would be, uh, you know, unprofessional, I guess, for TV. But I, I was sitting here with just a big smile on my face. I mean, I could have, 
I got to listen to him go for a while. I mean, you know, if we can do it again down the road a piece, I mean, I would love to hear more stories uh, from his stuff about the Iron Sheik. Uh, all that stuff was just tremendous. I mean, it was such a different business years ago breaking in. Um, so so colorful, so uh, uh, descriptive in his stories. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's cool because you hear so much about wrestling. And, and we've talked in the show about, you know, I give you, you see the movie The Wrestler and, and – the veteran wrestlers that are broke down and, and mad at the business or just not. And he just, you know, I mean, he, again, he wants that phone call from The Rock, uh, which, you know, I don't think that's a lot to ask for. Um, but he, he seems happy. He seems content with uh, the life he had. Um, you know, at times, uh, you know, even on this show, a critical of, of the Hall of Fame uh, selection, but... When you hear the stories and you hear what he did and you hear uh, the popularity and the fans were lobbying and, you know, when you start to, you know, really start to hear the stories behind it and how he broke into the business and how he worked at it and, you know, worked at his craft and came up with the idea for the bird and everything. And he was really popular uh, when the Birdman thing took off. Uh, just a tremendous career and he's... Uh, a man that it's good to hear, you know, you never know with, with the Hall of Fame and, and what people think. I mean, I, we go to it, and we've said often on the show that that's our favorite part of WrestleMania weekend. Um, it's cool talking to someone uh, who it is a supreme honor that, you know, how we feel when we go to the ceremony, he gets. He, he is honored by being in the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, it, it's a a pat on the back or a culmination of a, a long-standing wrestling career that he obviously greatly appreciates. Um, and he's content with, you know, he said it a couple times, that is his time is over and um, he's happy what the business provided him. And now he's just a, a happy Hall of Famer. I just, it was, it was just so, I, it was such a fun interview. I mean, one of the more fun interviews, uh, I've had uh, on this show. I mean, I was lucky. I mean, I go back, actually, and I think, uh, you know, when I interviewed Captain Lou Albano in the, the fledgling stages of this, this uh, show, that was another really fun one. But this uh, this definitely uh, was one of the, like, I just, I was having a blast uh, sitting here. I just had a big smile on my face. Uh, um, didn't get, I was a little surprised where he went with the uh, Yokozuna stories, but still, that was funny stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was great. I mean, the Iron Sheik stories, you know, too. Like, I mean, that that's I've heard I've heard multiple accounts. I, I want to say that was the time when you know, Vince made the announcement, you know, the the uh, the drug test, you know, there's a story about him drug testing the Iron Sheik and he told me he said Sheik you tested positive for cocaine and Sheik goes, "Oh, excellent." And then like everybody just like <laughs> and then he goes, no, not excellent. He goes, he goes, you tested positive, and he's like, yes, I told you, Mister McMahon. And he's like, it just, I, I remember hearing that story, and then when Coco brought that up, I wanted to interrupt and say something, but I just figured I'd let him roll with it. And then he he stooged out Don Morocco. Oh, it was great. It was great, very vibrant and uh, lively. He was, he sounded like he really wanted to be here. You get a lot of wrestlers that do these interviews and. They're just doing it, you know, to promote themselves, you know, with all due respect. And there's some that just really, you know, 
don't feel like doing it, but they do it anyways. But he, he genuinely felt like you know he was he was he was happy to be on the show, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy. Like honestly, when when I was talking to him, he was a guy that I I'd actually want to you know sit in a room for a few hours and uh, you know just kind of BS about his career and just let him just tell stories. You know, I feel like. I, you know, we have the show to do, and it's a lockdown Sunday, and we got to get into that, and we got to get to the callers, and thank you guys for holding on. But I feel like I could have sat for hours. I, I mean, I really could have sat with him and gotten more in-depth into his start. I mean, it's it's the business, but it's also the way he tells the stories, and, and you tell it he, he really enjoyed it, and it was it was a pleasure talking to him. So good times. So as I said, we are on, we're in a lockdown uh Sunday night lockdown pregame, so we're a little little off topic, but a great interview from Coco. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to go right out to the phones after the break. We got a commercial, uh, the news, and then we're going to hit your phone calls. So hitting the phones right after this. The word is spreading. More and more people are switching to Ambit Energy. Well, one of my neighbors switched, and then I switched. Now the whole neighborhood has Ambit. Who doesn't want to save money? The word is spreading. Switching to Ambit Energy is rewarding in more ways than one. I signed up and got a travel award. That's nice. Oh, I get to save on energy and on travel? There's a cruise for two out there just a few thousand kilowatts away. I can almost smell the sunscreen. The word is spreading. Ambit Energy even lets you earn free energy. When I get 15 friends to switch, I get free energy. I have 15 friends. At least I think I do. Hey, I'd be telling people to switch to Ambit anyway. If you'd like to switch to Ambit Energy, listen to the following contact information closely. Then spread the word. Joe Miller is an Ambit Energy independent consultant. If you want to upgrade or be a consultant, visit the website mainline.joinambit.com. That's mainline.joinambit.com. Ambit is available in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Texas, and California. And there you have it. And we're going to go right out to Dave with our 50-50 news update. Thank you very much, Ken. This is the Dave 5 News Report, only heard here on the Ken Reedy Show. Our top story this week, a report by ProRestlingTwitch.com this weekend has revealed WWE's plans to increase the budget behind the creative team to make way for several new and expanded projects in 2013. According to the report, WWE is looking to hire creative writers specifically with content on the highly anticipated WWE network, which is still in production. They are also looking to expand the team to compensate for the third hour of Monday Night Raw and some of the company's newer editions like Saturday Morning Slam and WWE Main Event. Some TNA news. It was announced at yesterday's lockdown fan interaction that TNA is coming to Boston, Massachusetts on June 2nd for their annual Slammiversary pay-per-view. The last time TNA held a pay-per-view in the Massachusetts area was in Worcester in 2008 for, ironically enough, lockdown. WWE's Stephanie McMahon was a panelist at yesterday's South by Southwest event with John Cena and revealed the following changes to this year's WrestleMania YouTube pre-show. First, 
the show will be a one hour one hour long as opposed to the normal half hour format on every other pay per view. And second, the show will be more interactive, allowing fans to vote on a match stipulation, which will directly affect the WrestleMania 29 pay-per-view later in the evening. Some positive news in the wrestling world. Diamond Dallas Page is looking for support from all the wrestling fans for one Scott Hall for a hip replacement surgery. On top of that, with medical expenses, physical therapy, as well as pending dental work, the cost of of this reaches around $80,000. As of this writing, PDP has raised over $36,000. If you're interested in donating, head over to Indiego, I-N-D-I-E, gogo.com for more information. And our final story, former NWA and WCW star Nikita Koloff and his 16-year-old daughter Colby Koloff are featured in the new lifetime reality show, Preacher's Daughters. The show premieres Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the Lifetime channel. The show follows three families, including Koloff, who has been a born-again Christian since 1993 after retiring from the professional wrestling industry. And, folks, Friday nights, 11 p.m., MeTV. The man's name on this marquee, Ken Reedy, he is your color commentator for NWA On Fire Action. Season 9 of The Gun Show. You saw the shocking end to Season 8. There's more in Season 9. YouTube slash Steve Off. Check out The Gun Show. We've moved. We're still here on Blog Talk, but we got a new home. Ironbound Radio, 1640 AM out of Newark, New Jersey. Tuesday nights, 6 p.m., The Ken Reedy Show. The best in pro wrestling talk. Taking over the Tuesday night airways on 1640 AM radio. And Lucky 13 Promotions premier event, Lucky Pro Wrestling, on March 23rd at the Elks Function Hall in Clinton, Massachusetts, on 128 School Street. You will see a reunion of the full-blooded Italians, Nunzio and Big Vito. Former NXT, WWE, and Nexus member, Michael Tarver, as well as NWA on Fire star, Brian Fury. Bell time at 8 p.m. For more information on tickets, go to Lucky 13's promotion Facebook page. And there you have it. That was the Day 5 News Report, only heard here on the Ken Reedy Show. Ken, back to you. Come on, you know the words. <laughs> I can't believe you just played that. <laughs> Pile driver. Oh my God! Really? <laughs> oh, superstar Billy Graham. I haven't watched this video in so long. Uh, good stuff. Again, Coco Beware. Hey, there's Don Morocco in the video. There you go. <laughs> I think I think Vince is in it too, isn't he? I, I do believe he is in it. Hey, good stuff. Again, thank you so much, Coco, for giving us some time. Great interview, and as promised on a lockdown pregame, we are going to go right out to the phones. Thank you guys for holding on. We're going to start off as always. We're going to start off with our man, Tony. Tony, are you there? I am here. How you doing? Thanks for holding on. What do you got for us tonight? Oh, 
you know, that was that was a pretty cool interview with the, the Birdman there. Um, but yeah, uh, Vince, I've seen that video. Vince is in it, so you know, I've seen the video on YouTube a few times. Yeah, I got you. Know, uh, watched. I haven't seen it in a while, but yeah, it was cool. You know, again, like Dave said, you, you never know how these interviews are going to go. I mean, it's you know, some guys are are bitter about the business. Sometimes you do an interview and you get those one word answers, and you just kind of like. You know, you segment a certain amount of time, and you've gone through, like, five questions in three minutes, and you're like, all right, now what? Um, this was great. Like, this was just, I sit back in my chair and, and just listen to Coco kind of go off on his career. I, I, I thought it was pretty entertaining. Good guy. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, definitely a, uh, one, of your, one of the more, uh, you know, positive guys in the, uh, you know, Post, you know, in the post wrestling uh, life, you know, like you were saying, you know, it's definitely a uh, definitely got a lot of energy in him. Uh, so, uh, I guess we, uh, we got a lockdown tonight, so I um, I don't know, but uh, yeah. So what are you looking forward to tonight? I gotta go. I gotta say the title match, you know, Jeff and uh, Bubba Ray, Bully Ray, whatever whatever his name is. Um, I mean, this has got to be. They got to do. They got to. Have it be where uh, you know he's the head guy of the of this uh, of the aces and eights. You know they gotta do, they gotta do they gotta do that. You know and, and I mean if it was me, you know, I put you know put the belt on him. And you know it's like there's even been some like maybe like talk of like doing you know, like him being the leader and uh, Brooke Hogan being in there too. And then you know she can like I don't know, I don't know she can be you know, like her being a heel too. I don't know. I've just heard talk about it. I don't know if that's what they're gonna do, but. I've heard about that. Yeah, we actually talked in our pre-show meeting, and we were saying that uh, we, we really don't want, like, Brooke to be shocked. We want Brooke in on it and kind of give her a little more oomph to her character, have her turn heel. But I, I think the three of us right now, and I'm curious, you know, the guys calling in, 347 I mean, Tony, me and Dave, I mean, I think we're all in agreement that we, we kind of, Either think or at least hope that uh, Bully Ray is part of Ace and Eights, and uh, he winds up winning the title, and uh, it's a big turn at the end of uh, the night. Um, and it, it would, for me at least, and I'm curious what you think, Tony. Um, you know, for everything that's going on with Ace and Eights, and we've been critical at times with the storyline. At, at times, it's it's worked, and at times, it's been lagging. With everything that's gone on with Ace and Eights, the whole development of the story, the group, the quote invasion, if you will, um, it all kind of, to me at least, it kind of becomes worth it if in the end we see this this great turn and Bully Ray is ahead of it. Now, this group legitimately is a pretty strong group. Your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. yeah, yeah. It's like you say, if. They do, if... Uh, they do. They go with the turn tonight, and he's the leader. And you know, he, you know, they put the belt on him. That would definitely give the uh, Aces and Eights stable some more uh, credibility, because you know, like uh, you know, lately they've been kind of, you know, they've been such a thing been going a little long now. So it's like you know, we got to find out who the uh, who the head of it is. You know, it's like I mean, you know, when they when uh, I mean, Gilo was the VP. That was kind of a. Uh, you know, I mean, nothing against Dio, but, you know, uh, yeah, it's like I knew he was going to be in there in the Aces and Ace, but I didn't think he'd be the VP. I thought, like, maybe, like, well, I thought maybe it was going to be, like, the VP would have been Matt Morgan, you know, because uh, he, cause he'd come out and then uh, Bubba ran him off at the start of, his, of Impact. I thought maybe it was going to be him, but, uh, you know, like I said, but, um, 
so yeah, I mean, I don't know as far as what the hell what'll happen in the match. Um, you know, I mean, you know, anything can happen. I wouldn't be surprised if we see someone on the uh, TNA team turn heel. Uh, let's just hope it's not. You know, it's, uh, I just hope they don't do something ridiculous and have all four of them turn on Sting. Jeez, oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, oh, yeah. What do you think? Right. Actually, you, you watched Impact on on Thursday, obviously. What did you think? Because they never made the, the announcers really didn't make mention of it after the fact. Was was that a real fan? Did a real fan pop Sting? Was that a plant? Like, I thought that was kind of odd during Impact. Like, I, first off, I immediately like, oh, it's got to be a plant. But then yeah, they kind of they, they didn't they didn't mention it again, which is always a kind of weird thing that. You know, if it was a plant, then you probably would hear them talking over and over again. Fan interfered. Who is that fan? Who was that guy? What is he doing here? He can't yada, yada, yada. And they said nothing. Was Did an actual fan actually pop Sting? I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, I mean, at first I thought it was a plant, too. It's like, okay, it's going to be it's some it's some plant guy who's going to be part of the Aces and Aces, too, at the, you know, whatever. So, I, I mean, that's what I thought, too. And it's just... Yeah, they didn't, they didn't bring it up again the whole uh, night. You know, like they didn't. Uh, I don't know if, like, if it is a plant. I don't know if they're just trying to like add some realism to it by, you know, like not mentioning it or whatever. You know, because if, if it, you know, like, if it is a real fan, they're not gonna show it. Last night in the Impact Zone, you get assaulted by a a fan. Any other before I let you go? Any other matches you're looking forward to tonight? Um, I guess. I got a lethal lockdown and the uh, I got the, the, the uh, tag title match, uh, you know, with uh, Rude Aries versus uh, the other, you know, Daniels Kazarian and uh, Hernandez Chavo. It should be good. Yeah, I think there's a few matches here that's set up to be decent matches. should be an entertaining pay-per-view. we got more calls on this, so we want to get to everybody. Tony, thanks for giving us a buzz. And, uh, you know, Tony is our expert blogger, the best blogger in the business. Go over to thekenreadyshow.com, blogs on Raw, SmackDown, and Impact each and every week. Thanks, Tony. Well, hopefully we're hopefully we're going to get everything fixed. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, try and try and get your show going and, and try and move forward with things. And then you have certain people like uh, El Rotundo, who's, whose life seems to be spiraling out of control, go and uh, try and mess with the phone lines at our AM radio station. But hopefully it'll all be fixed. On on Tuesday, and uh, hope to hear from you on Tuesday. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be calling if the phones are all, right, all up. Okay. Take it easy, man. You too, guys. And we're gonna stick with the phones. Uh, we're actually gonna go out. We have Mr. Trivia on the line, Mr. Trivia, who is able to get us Coco Beware. So we're gonna pull him up right now and give him a a personal thank you, uh, Mr. Trivia. Great job. Thanks a lot. Uh, super guy. Um. Just yeah, we're we're very pleased with the interview, man. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome, Ken. You're very welcome, Dave. Uh, like I said, anything for the Ken Reedy show. I do have another one working uh, in the works for next Sunday as well. Um, somebody, another wrestler uh, that I've been in contact with uh, over the past six, seven months uh, is going to be calling the show next week. He's also appeared in certain. He's also appeared in some movies. And he's got another uh, movie coming out now, uh, pretty soon. I'm sure you've heard of the the movie. Um, oh my God, I just I just lost it. I can't think of it now. Oh, oh we'll, geez, we'll call it during during the week. But uh, Coco yeah, we was will, great. But, uh, I mean, you've you've, yeah, you've known Coco for a, a while. I'm sorry. You've yeah, as a Coco matter of fact, he, have I known what? 
You've known Coco for a while? Oh, yeah. I've known Coco for about um, seven, about 17, 18 months now. He was on a NEFW card that the top rope went to attend, and uh, we did an interview with him because he was making a special appearance there. And uh, we did an interview with him at the NEFW show in Springfield, Massachusetts, or Chicopee, Massachusetts, excuse me. And um, he gave us a good plug, and, you know, he's a great guy. Uh, there's a lot of people out there, I'm sure that they don't know, but he was uh, responsible for getting uh, a motorized wheelchair to Kamala. After really? Kamala had his uh, amputation due to diabetes, uh, Coco Beware was instrumental in bringing uh, Kamala his motorized wheelchair to be able to get around. So he's not only an excellent wrestler and an excellent guy, but he's a super humanitarian as well. And as a matter of fact, I got off the phone with him while I was on hold with you guys. He called me, and he was very, very pleased. He said, you guys were great, very knowledgeable people. And he says he's looking forward to giving you a call again uh, in the future. Hey, Gary, I mean, like I said, and, I, and I'm not, you know, I'm not blowing smoke. I mean, I... I... Literally, like, I could have sat and listened for hours. I mean, you know, we do have to kind of, we do have a show, and we do we want to get to everyone. But I, uh, you know, I, I just, I love listening to guys who really love the business just talk about the business and talk about, like, their careers. And it's just, you know, it's amazing, like, just his stories and, uh, you know, going by the gym on a Sunday night and, uh, you know, how he started his career and built himself up and, and the bird story in, in Vince's office, you know, and his wife giving him the idea. Yep. I mean, all that stuff. I just, I, I love hearing. I could have heard, I listened to him talk for, for hours. So would love to have him back. Uh, great job. Uh, switching gears a little bit, though. Um, tonight, Lethal Lockdown. Uh, I know you at times, you're one of those guys that you've been critical of TNA at times, but at times you've been uh, very positive. Uh, are you looking forward to lockdown tonight? What are your thoughts? I certainly am. I'm looking forward to uh, Bully Ray, Jeff Hardy. I believe I uh, echo the same sentiments as uh, some of the other fans out there. I, I've i said it before. Um, I really think that Bully Ray is going to be one of the founding members of Aces and Eights, and it will be revealed. What a better way to reveal it than winning the championship, like you said, Ken. You know, he'll probably win the championship and then reveal it, and then Brooke will, you know, her, her Brooke's father, Hulk, will come out and say, you know, what are you doing? And she'll either slap him or kick him in the nads or something like that and walk walk away with the title and Bully Ray with Aces and H right behind him. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Yeah, same here. I mean, I, I it's funny that I think – it's interesting. Will you be disappointed if we don't have a Bully Ray turn tonight? Uh, no, because I think eventually it's going to happen. You know, yeah, like funny, the um, sorry, like the Undertaker thing. I was disappointed. You know, when the Undertaker was, you know, people are saying, well, you know, he's backstage at Raw. Um, they're waiting for his, they're, they're holding him back. They're hiding him back there, whatever they're doing, you know, let, let him come out, let the fans know that he's still around. I was a little disappointed with that because he was there. He could have came out and, you know, Hey, you know, just come out and just stood there and walk back. But the thing with bully Ray 
if it doesn't happen tonight, I won't be disappointed because eventually it will happen. Yeah, it's funny. I think that most of us are all like, you know, it's a it, it's a foregone conclusion. I think most of us as wrestling fans are assuming Bully Ray is, has got to be part of Ace and Ace. I mean, to me, I just thought as of late with his love fest with Jeff Hardy, he's been kind of laying it on really thick. So that yeah. means he, he's going to turn at some point. But I'm really looking forward to that match. I'm looking forward to the lethal lockdown. I think uh, it's got a lot of potential to be a a real good pay-per-view tonight. So, uh, you know, uh, TNA delivers. Yes, I agree. And uh, I won't uh, I won't divulge – I already told you guys who it was going to be, but I won't divulge the guest uh, caller for next week. You guys know who it's going to be. And uh, hopefully – uh, when he calls in next week, he's got some great stories to tell as well. So, uh, Ken, Dave, I heard you on Tuesday night. You guys were coming. Uh, well, not Dave. Unfortunately, they couldn't get Dave couldn't get through because of El Rotundo doing something with the phone lines. But Ken, you were coming through crystal clear. I uh, can't wait for Tuesday night again, so that when uh, phone lines are up and uh, running. I can uh, call the uh, Ironbound Radio, 1640 AM, and uh, talk to Ken and Dave again. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. And, again, thank you for uh, grabbing Coco for us. So we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys, anytime. Take care. Take it easy. Hey, uh, Mr. Trivia, uh, grabbing us guests uh, for the show. So uh, good stuff. Good stuff going forward. And we're going to stick with the phones because we have Dank on hold here. And let's get to Dank. Dank, are you there? I am here. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, pretty much I have one question. Uh, with the passing of um, Paul Bear this week, I was thinking about it, and you can have a lot of fun with this one, but if you had the chance to become a manager at WWE, and let's, for all intents and purposes, let's keep it, on this active roster that's going on right now. And it's basically like your job to help make a a wrestler a superstar or even further his career. Who would you pick to manage and what would be like your shtick? Like you had Paul Bear coming down dressed up in a suit with his little scary voice and the urn You've had managers like Vicky, which has the excuse me, which is annoying, but has become like her trademark. Now you have um, swagger with we the people. If you had the choice, given anybody on today's roster, and you could even go with TNA. You don't have to stick it. You don't have to stay with WWE. You can go TNA. You can go NWA on fire. Who would you pick, and what would you like to do with it? Dave, why don't you take that first? I don't know where to go here. Um, who would I manage on t- you know today's in today's wrestling landscape? I mean, there's a handful of guys. Um, you know, managers are more or less supposed to be for 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 guys that it's designed to to help get a guy over whose verbal ability isn't the greatest. Um, 
You know, for instance, like Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan was probably the greatest manager, arguably the greatest manager of all time. Um, and he and he spoke really well for the guys that he represented. Um, but there's other cases where there are guys that can talk, but having a manager with them, you know, is not necessarily needed, but it doesn't hurt either. And we've seen that in recent, you know, recently is uh, CM Punk and Paul Heyman. Both are great verbally on the microphone. Um, so if I were to probably pair myself with somebody and be a manager, um, I'd probably try and pattern myself after I, – I, I would say, I would say probably after a guy who I grew up watching is Bobby Heenan. I wouldn't try and be exactly like Bobby Heenan, but, you know, I would try to have, like, a little bit of comedy, but, you know, like a – you know, just like any other manager, like a heel manager would, just to be a, a total jerk, um, but add a little comedy into it because I do like to entertain – um, if there's somebody I'd want to manage, um, I'd probably want to. I mean, in TNA, I'd probably want to man, manage Matt Morgan um, because he's just a big phys- physical specimen. I mean, he can talk really well, so he doesn't need a manager. But I would like to manage him because he's just such a big, impressive guy. In the WWE, um, if there's one person I think I'd probably want to manage if I, you know, if I had gained great skill and ability to get somebody over, it's probably. Ted DiBiase Jr. Um, he seems to have been lost in the shuffle in the WWE. Maybe if he, you know, maybe in today's wrestling landscape, if he has a manager with him, then maybe you know, poss- possibly he could, uh, you know, he-, he could succeed, you know, higher up on the card. Um, what my shtick would be, like I said, maybe I'll just be, I'd just be a jerk. I'd probably, you know, I really, I really, you know, that's a tough question. I'd have to really sit down and think about that one. But that's just a gist of what I would, who I'd want to manage, and you know, what I would do. Yeah, I think for for me, I, and he wasn't really a manager, but I guess you know, in a in a, well, he was a manager, but I was thinking more like is my shtick. I, I would love to go in a. Ric Flair kind of direction, a J.J. Dillon, a Four Horsemen kind of thing. I, I would, you know, love to do the the suits and and uh, just just kind of be arrogant. I think we're both on board. We're like, I think we both want to be a heel manager, um, and that that's what I would love to do. I would kind of go that route of just being um, just the, the arrogant kind of manager. Uh, and I think Diviasi is a great choice. A guy who's lost in the shuffle. Um, I, I've always thought, you know, I, I would love to to guy, get a guy like a, a Drew McIntyre and completely revamp his character and, and be his mouthpiece, and uh, you know, maybe, you know, not let him talk at all. Just you stand there, and and just look imposing, and uh, you know, even put him in a like a, a a dark black suit and sunglasses, and he just stands there, and I just would would rant on, you know, how he's he's the next great thing. But the one guy that I've always wanted to see with a manager and I think with the right manager. And if I was going to think that I could be the right manager and he's not in the WWE or TNA right now, but Sheldon Benjamin, Sheldon Benjamin was always a guy that I looked at as, as one of the most talented guys I've ever seen in the ring. But wow, a lot of trouble with, with the verbiage and, and uh, you know, with the right manager um, no joke. I, I mean, to me, when he was in the WWE, right manager, he's, he could be WWE champion. Without question, he could be WWE champion. But he just never was able to really get the character to work. And I think if I pick anyone in the landscape of the entire business right now, I, I would I would take Sheldon Benjamin to the WWE championship. Cool, cool. 
very interesting. You got anything else for us? Always with the thought-provoking questions, Dang. I try. I try. I know it's been a while. but <laughs> No, I know that you guys got a full bank today with everything, so I'm going to keep it short. And uh, I'll uh, talk to you guys tomorrow night and uh, see you guys on Tuesday. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. All righty. No problem. Take care, guys. <laughs> Take it easy, buddy. Take care of that cough, too. <laughs> Well, yeah, someone's sick in, in uh, Dank's house. So whoever's, whoever's coughing, take care of that. Uh, we're gonna, <laughs> we actually have right now, we have uh, the BWO heavyweight champion Tristan Laws online. Tristan, are you there? Oh, Ken, I'm here. Like, where else Where else would I be? I hear you. How are you doing this fine evening? I'm, I'm doing very well. And I, and I was listening when, 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 when my good friend, you know, our good friend, Mr. Trivia, was on the line, and he was talking about the uh, – the special guest host for, I mean, the special uh, interview person for next week. And I just want to let everybody know that it is me, and I'm here now, and I'm here to tell you a funny story. And the story of it is the first time I had a road trip, I was with Nunzio and Danny Doring in the car. What a, what a, what a scary experience with Danny Doring in the back. But, but you, it's out of the bag, so you guys can listen next week for the rest of the story, and, and, and let's just focus on me right now. So Ken, how's your week been? Like, congratulations on the show. You know, I see, I see that you still, you still have Dave. You know, riding on your coattails. Like, like, how's everything going? Like, talk to me. Let me interview you. It, it, it's, it's going well. You know, we had some trouble with the with the phones last week, but uh, doing well. Had uh, Coco on the show tonight, so that was uh, good stuff. And now we have uh, the BWO heavyweight champion on the show, so uh, the show's going pretty well. Uh, what have you been up to? Uh, any matches this weekend? I know you got a BWL next weekend, correct? Or two weeks? That's right. Last last weekend, last weekend I uh, wrestled a guy by the name of Matt McIntosh. Wrestled him in uh, Ellenville, New York. Uh, very good opponent, but you know he had to obey the law in the end. You know, next next weekend, uh, BWO is uh, having their first show in Nutley, New Jersey. And uh, you know, and, and the part that really annoys me, Ken, and, and you know, I feel like I could talk freely with you. You know, the the part that really annoys me about that show next week is that I don't have a match. Like I'm looking at the entire thing. I'm emailing the BWO, you know, booking committee. I'm like, hey, where's my match? Give me a match. I want a match. But no, you know, you, you know, everybody else has a match except for me. You know, Glenn Glenn Ulrich versus Preacher, and I hope Preacher gets his gets his butt whipped. You know, now Ray Ray Morris defends the title against Steve Off. Like, hey, Steve Off shouldn't even deserve a match. Then you have also appearing heavyweight champion Tristan Law. Like I should not be also appearing. I should be, I should have a match. You know what? They'll be lucky if I show up. But you know the new locations at 150 Chestnut Street, Nutley, New Jersey. Doors open at 6:30. Bell time seven. And then the week after that, uh, BWO is having another show. Um, is it the week after that? Let me just check my calendar. Let me check my because you, you you know sometimes my calendar is wrong. But I know they're having a show in Benton, New Jersey. It's on the 23. Ring of Honor invades BWO. It should be more like BWO invades Ring of Honor because, you know, we're the top-notch promotion because I'm the BWO champion. They don't know that already, but, you know, I'm supposed to be facing Red Titus. Red Titus, if you're listening, if I was you, I wouldn't show up. I'd take a vacation day that day. What do, you, what do you think of that? Like, you know, it's a, it's a big, big angle, like, you know, BWO working with ROH. It's kind of cool that you guys are, are cross-promoting and they're I'm depending sorry, on Ken, who's, I, who's invading sorry, who. I, I hate to, I hate to correct you, Ken, and, like, you know, we're good friends, but I just want to correct you. It's ROH working with BWO. 
you know, we're not working with them. We didn't ask to work with them. They asked to work with us. So we're going to do them a favor. You know, they're going to have Mr. Red Titus come in with me, and me and Mr. Red Titus are going to mix it up, you know. So, so go on. But are, you, are, you, uh, are you looking forward to but potentially, let's put it this way, potentially we have a, you know, a different audience. Uh, there may be ROH fans that don't know anything about or, or, or are uneducated on the BWO and the BWO Heavyweight Champion. Um, are you excited to be able to showcase your talents for perhaps a, a new crop of fans? Well, I, I'm always I'm always happy to, to showcase my, my my ass whipping skills in, in front of anybody, in front of any in front of any paying audience, you know, yeah. so you know, I'm yeah. I'm just glad that everybody's gonna gonna come to see us, you know, featuring ROH, because it's not ROH featuring BWO. Turn your radio down, you moron. Use the, there's an echo when you're talking. No, no, no. no, no. There's there no echo because uh, you can't listen to the Kennedy show on Sundays on the radio. That's Tuesdays. Get it. All right. Let's let's settle settle down. Settle down. No, I, I, really, I really don't like how your friend is always, you know, coming at me. So I'm saying that I have the radio and there's an echo. No. He, he, he's riding on your coat. The, the least that he should know is when you guys got on the ring. Tuesday night, correct? That is correct. So how can I be on the ring? Point well taken. Um, have you been Have you been to the new location for the BWL? No, but you know I, def- I, I definitely Google it to to see where it is. You know, I'm I'm not sure I want to get there. Maybe I may you know show up in style. You know. I don't know yet. I just know that it's at 150 Chestnut Street, New Jersey. So all I got to do is be there. Doors open at 630, bell times at 7. All right, and if our fans want to get tickets to that, uh, where can they go to get tickets? Where can they get tickets? Ken, you already know I know where to get tickets. But I know, but there might be some people out there that don't know. So give us, you know, all the places. And, and actually, aside from there's the BWO show, but then there's, you know, ROH Joining up with with the BWO, uh, just right, cause give us all, all the tic- all the places we can get tickets. All right, so all the places you can get tickets, you can for the show next week and get ten dollars tickets in advance. You get a two dollar discount when you buy them in advance. They're ten dollars and twelve at the door. The advance tickets can be purchased by dialing. Get your pens ready. Nine seven three nine zero two two three four five. Oh, I said that too fast. All right, get your pens ready. Nine seven three. Nine zero two two three four five, or on the web because we're you know electronically inclined. Shopbodyslam.webs.com. If you can't spell it, God help you. Um, you can also. I'm you, you, you could. Oh, I'm sorry. You were still breathing. What was that, Tristan? I didn't get that last part. I, I didn't know. That, I didn't know that 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 uh, that uh, your your friend Dave was still alive and breathing. Oh, I'm still here. Don't worry. I'm just. I'm just letting you continue. To, I'm just letting you conti- to continue being stupid like you normally are on the show. But go ahead. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Kill yourself. All right. So you guys can see the the, the next show. It's at the Venter Educational Community Complex. It's Saturday, March twenty third. Once again, you get a two dollar discount if you buy the tickets in advance. All right. This is a charity event, and it's going to be performed by Professional Wrestling Entertainment Organization BWO featuring. Ring of Honor. You get to see Delirious, Preacher, Rectitus, Grizzly Redwood, 
Rary Mars, but of course you get to see me. That's what everybody wants to know. Get your tickets by dialing, get your pens. 973-902-2345. That one takes place in Venter City, New Jersey. Very cool. Thanks for giving us a few minutes, champ, and we'll talk to you soon. That's right. And remember, shopbodyslam.webs.com. See you guys later. Very good. Take it easy, man. All right. Kill yourself, Dave. Bye. <laughs> oh, that Tristan, such a such a kidder. Um, well, yeah, anyway, he's such a kidder. I'm going to shoot the law. You know, I got, you know, I'm going to go body slip with you. I don't have no, I'll have no opponent. I can't spell. Please, please. I, I, I hate when he's on. Really? All right, we're gonna go. We're gonna continue with the phones, though. We uh, we'll we'll add some positivity because we got Justin on the line. Justin, are you there? I can. Justin, what's going on? I miss you, buddy. Miss you too. How was your week this week? Oh, wonderful. What'd you think of the world of professional wrestling? Well, you hear you hear about this band name, uh, Metalingus. I have heard of Metalingus. Yes. What what song do they sing? Perhaps. Wait, Edge's theme song? They do sing Ed, Edge's theme songs. Good song. I've always liked that tune. Yeah, I love it. I like it. Very cool. So what would you think of, you know, The Undertaker is back. Uh, looks like he's going to be wrestling CM Punk at WrestleMania. What do you think of that? That's pretty good. Who's going to win, CM Punk or The Undertaker? It'll be The, the Undertaker. Think The Undertaker's going to win 21-0? And, and oh, yeah. Very cool. Did you watch TNA this week? Uh, I definitely did. What do you think about tonight, uh, Bully Ray versus Jeff Hardy at Lethal Lockdown? Who do you think is going to win that match? Jeff Hardy. You think Hardy's going to retain the title? Oh, he bet. He, he, I hope so. I hope so. You think? Interesting. Hmm? Interesting predictions. You got anything else for us there, Justin? Ken, you know what? They should be in the Hall of Fame. Really? Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, there's someone here that likes me. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, Justin, you know, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for, for giving us a call. And, uh, you know, you always put a smile on our face when you call in. So appreciate it. Take care of yourself. All right, Ken. Talk to you later, man. All right. Bye. Bye. And Justin giving us some positivity. So uh, good stuff, good stuff. And we have actually some breaking news. As uh, things uh, continue to move forward with this show, and, and uh, it's, it's kind of cool that we get to announce this on a TNA lockdown pregame show, that lots of stuff going on with TNA, and they have uh, their lethal lockdown pay-per-view this evening, and they're going to be, they well, they've taken uh, Impact out of the Impact Zone, and they'll be in Chicago uh, this Thursday live, and on Tuesday's show, we are going to have Kazarian giving us a call, uh, talk about everything that's going on in TNA, and and give us uh, his thoughts on the match he had at Lockdown. So again, this Tuesday evening on our show on 16:40 a.m. Uh, as well as the KenReedyShow.com, we'll have Kazarian joining us. Uh, talking about all the ins and outs and what's going on in TNA Wrestling. So real excited we can make that announcement tonight. Uh, another great guest. Looking forward to uh, talking to him. Uh, you know, Dave, when I when I think of TNA and, and 
what everything that's going on and, and the different storylines and you know there aren't two guys that are that are more entertaining or there aren't many guys that are more entertaining that you know every time Kazarian and Christopher Daniels kind of pop onto the screen you, you know you're going to be at least amused for a good chunk of time. Absolutely, um, you know I, I I look forward to interviewing Kazarian. He's a, he's a talented performer. I think personally, in my opinion, this run with Christopher Daniels has been, you know, his best run um, on television uh, since he's been with the company. He was part of Fortune. He's done a lot of X Division stuff, and uh, you know, to his credit, that stuff was great. But I think he's just he's really done. I mean, exceptionally well with the stuff he's done with Christopher Daniels. Just like I mean, you know, the the, the 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 mocking of you know I mean they came out one week wearing Zubaz pants with fanny packs you know the, the take off to like what a lot of the old wrestlers used to wear back in the day and you know the references and his mic work isn't you know has, has increased and gotten better so I really look forward to, to talking with him and uh, you know uh, hearing his thoughts on the state of TNA and just the state of the wrestling business overall because I think he's one of the bright spots on that on Impact Wrestling. Yeah, and a guy who uh, I believe is 2005 won uh, the Cauliflower Hour Clubs, Cauliflower Alley Clubs Future Legends Award. So you're saying a guy who, uh, you know, tremendous upside in the business. You know, like, like you're saying Mike's skills have definitely gotten better. Uh, everything seems to be getting better with him, and it looks like, uh, you know, he's a star on the rise. So uh, definitely looking forward to having him on the show. So check us out on Tuesday. Well, we will have Kazarian calling in on the Ken Reedy Show. Our phone number three four seven eight three nine eight one five. Thank you all for tuning in in a lockdown pregame show. And uh, Dave, we touched on it briefly uh, through the phone calls, and let's uh, dissect it a little bit. Uh, going into this lethal lockdown match, Sting accosted by what seems to be a, a fan. Um, Ace and eights to get a one-man advantage in this lethal lockdown match. Uh, I, I, you know, at this match, I'm also, I'm just looking forward to it uh, being kind of a, a, a brawl, old school. I know we 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 we've talked about it sounding barbaric, uh, but I'm I'm looking forward to some guys getting busted open and just uh, just a good violence, old school slobber knocker kind of grudge match tonight. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, it should, it should be it should be fun. Um, it's you know it's it's similar to war games and uh, you know the 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 element of you know the teams forming and you know I, I like that. I always love the war games, so this, the, these matches are always fun. Um, I don't know what to expect as far as who's going to win, who's going to lose. It seems to me that the trend has been recently on pay per view and television that the aces and eights are always losing, yet they're getting the upper hand, you know, outside of the ring on these guys on the on the TNA roster. So um, I would think that the Aces and Eights would win. I hope that, you know, there's not some big reveal. I mean, I kind of I, – I, as I was watching Impact on on Thursday, they had, uh, you know, Sting backstage with um, – with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Eric Young and James Storm. And Eric Young was, like, you know, all serious, and he wasn't his goofy self. And part of me has a feeling like they might – for haha, they might just turn him and have him join Aces and Eights because he's the quote unquote wild card of the team that nobody expected to to be on. I, I hope not. I really do. Um, although I mean, oh, his girlfriend, tag team partner, ODB, she looks like she could fit in with them because she's like one of the guys. So um, you know, maybe she would turn. But I don't. I really don't know. Um, 
it should, should be a, it should be a fun you know brawl, a lot of weapons, a lot of plunder, as Dusty Rhodes would say. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, this past week on Impact, a big reveal is that we have uh, D'Lo Brown is part of uh, Ace and Eights, and you know a guy who is rumored to uh, be part of Ace and Eights for quite some time. I, I've always liked D'Lo Brown. Do I think he's a kind of a, a main player? No, but I, I always liked what he brought to the table. Um, a guy who can talk. Uh, don't know if we're going to see him get in the ring, but uh, a good mouthpiece. Um, but the, the the drama involved, as far as you know, him being the big reveal, I don't know if that's uh, dramatic enough with the the uh, Kurt Angle, you know, oh you son of a bitch, and then it turns out to be uh, D'Lo Brown behind the hood, and, and it's something that Dave last week the uh, the cliffhanger uh, actually got your nod of approval. Uh, were you uh, satisfied with the reveal being D'Lo Brown? To be honest, with you, I was hoping it wasn't going to be, but I heard the rumors, and it was. And it's just just the way he like came out, like during the melee with Angle and, and Wes Briscoe, and he slid in there, and um, you know, I, I just don't. Uh, and then Kurt Angle was like, "It's him, it's him," you know. And I, I, I thought it was kind of weak. Um, you know, no disrespect to D'Lo Brown, but. You know, he's a, he's a talented performer. I liked him when he was in the WWE. He was, you know, he was a solid mid-card, you know, you know bottom-card performer. I, I would have liked to have seen him move up. But, you know, he hasn't been wrestling in quite a while. I mean, I don't remember the last time he wrestled. I, I, I want to say he retired from active, you know, in ring. I don't know if he does independence here and there. I know he works for TNA in the office as, a, as an agent. But um, it just wasn't – it didn't have, like, any, you know, to coin the phrase, impact for me. Um, that, that he was revealed. The one thing that got me more than anything was that um, Devon was the biggest reveal that we got in, you know, the, the whole storyline itself at Bound for Glory. What would have been interesting if they just switched roles because they were all wondering how, you know, the, I remember they filmed vignettes and the, the roster was wondering, well, how are these guys getting in the building? And if you recall at that time frame, around that time, Devon wasn't even under contract to TNA. He had a legitimate contract dispute with them and walked away when his contract ended. And, you know, they eventually worked out some worked out a deal for him to come back and then be involved in this eight storyline. But it would have made more sense if they had D'Lo Brown as the guy that is revealed to have let every, you know, the Ace and Eights guy in the impact zone and let them, you know, come in and, you know, you know, cause a quote unquote, you know, shit storm, excuse my language. But um and then Devon maybe would be later revealed as the vice president. To me, like, you know, Delo Brown, like I said, with all due respect, he's a talented guy, but to me he's Obi Wan Jabroni, in my opinion. And to have him in as as the uh the, the the VP of the club and he hasn't even like I said, when's he wrestled last? So I, I just don't understand. Like who's who's gonna be the president of the club? Like like Zima Ion from the X Division. I mean, come on. Like they, they, we had one big reveal in Diva, and the rest of these guys are just you know small time. Like I don't get it. it, it if that's their way of saying, okay, we're going to give these guys a rub and give them a badass motorcycle group, then they're going to run, run roughshod over TNA. Nobody knows who they are. Most of these guys, they don't. You know what I mean? With the exception of Diva, and I think Diva's the most popular one out of the whole group. Um, I just didn't think it. I, I didn't think it was it was it was good at all. I I. 
didn't really care for it. Now, unfortunately, I had a feeling that was what it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I mean, let's not forget, like the the, uh, the Taz reveal was a decent reveal, uh, a decent name, but a guy who's definitely uh, not going to be getting in the ring. And it's been weird since the Taz reveal. I, I mean, he's pro Ace and Eights, obviously. Um, you know, when he's doing his commentating, uh, he's doing the heel commentator thing. We don't see him a lot with the club. Uh, I, I almost wish that, that you know, if he's a member of Ace and Eights, that, you know, maybe he was the mouthpiece for them a little bit more. Um, but you're right. I like the idea that you brought up of, of switching the two reveals. If uh, D'Lo was revealed early on as being part, and he can talk and he could be a mouthpiece. And, uh, you know, this reveal would have been Devon. Uh that could have been interesting, although, you know, it depends, and, and it's it's tough, and that's what makes wrestling, you know, interesting and difficult, and, and when you think about creative and how creative is interwoven, uh, part of the Devon thing was to really, really build up Bully Ray as uh, a face, and him being, Bully Ray being so upset with his brother uh, helped to really build him as a face, which will make the heel turn, um, if it happens, uh, that much more dramatic. So, um, you know, it, it's tough, and maybe that's it. Maybe this was all leading to the Bully Ray turn at, at lockdown, which is why they had to go Devon first to build it. But uh, if we isolated the storyline and not looked at how it's interwoven with everything else, I kind of like the idea of D'Lo was the first, and then Devon came on uh, a little later uh, because he was the the biggest reveal. And if they kept him off TV a little longer... Uh, would have added intrigue to, uh, you know, the contract just running out. So uh, who knows? Who knows? I mean, uh, dramatically speaking, they needed to build up Bully Ray, and Bully Ray is a face. And, and as I said earlier, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the title matchup. You got Bully Ray versus Jeff Hardy. Uh, looking forward to this match. I, I think you got two guys who are veterans in this business who get the business and quite honestly, maybe at a, at a point in both their careers where each one of them is the best they've ever been. Uh, I We've talked a number of times about Jeff Hardy and how, uh, you know, post all his issues, uh, he's been tremendous and keeps getting better. Uh, you know, he's, he's still okay on the promos, you know, not great, but... Uh, his in-ring work has been tremendous, and, uh, you know, I like a lot of what I'm seeing out of Jeff Hardy, and look, let's face it, I mean, there there have been big chunks of time since uh, the Dudley boys split up that the best part of Impact was when Bully Ray had a mic in his hand, uh, face or heel. Uh, so you got two guys who, who know the business, who are veterans, who have been doing this for a while, perhaps at the top of their game, uh, as far as their careers go, going at it for the title, uh, we're in a, a different era with uh, TNA and, and less pay-per-views. So you, assuming that something big should happen, Hardy's had the belt for a little bit. Um, I, I you know I think most wrestling fans, I why not? Let's just get into it. Uh, pick wise, I, I'm I would pick Bully Ray, and he's going to turn, and we're going to see a. Uh, Ace and eight standing tall at the end of the pay-per-view uh, in possession of the TNA heavyweight title. Your thoughts on this match, Dave? 
I agree. I think Bully Ray will come out the winner. Um, I'm kind of hoping for a, a big reveal that he is the leader or that he is one of the top guys, what have you, um, a part of the group. Um, I uh, I think that, um, you know, this match between the two of them, it should be a really good cage match. I mean, the two of them got so much history together in all those TLC matches and the WWE and tables matches. You know, you're going to see more than just the, them using the cage. You might see a ladder get involved or even, you know, a table. Um, these guys, you know, they pull out all the stops and consider, like, you, you know, it's a good point you brought up. Considering that they've scaled down the pay-per-views and now they only do four live pay-per-views a year, um, these two are probably going to pull out, you know, all the stops. The only thing that, that, that um, I, the, the negative I see for this storyline and for this match is the fact that Hardy was off the television for over a month uh, when, the, when TNA went over to uh, the United Kingdom. And then he comes back two weeks later, and it's just him and Bully Ray. Um, and there really was it kind of seemed like they rushed the build with them a little bit because there really wasn't much build between the two of them. So I wouldn't be surprised, regardless of the outcome, that the two that these two guys continue to have a, um, a solid uh, one-on-one singles program, um, you know, for the next couple of months until we get to Slammiversary. Um, so it, it, uh, I'm, I'm expecting a really damn good match between the two of them both on top of their game, um, closed out the show. From what I'm hearing, San Antonio, even though the, even though TNA booked themselves in the Alamo Dome, which seats about 70,000 people, um, I don't know how much of it that they've cut off, but from what I'm hearing, um, TNA is planning on is having probably the largest attended crowd for a pay-per-view um, tonight. So, and, it's, and it should be a hot crowd, or at least I would hope. Because uh, last year's lockdown wasn't really too hot in Nashville, if you remember the crowd there. Yeah, you're, I, I I do, and I do remember thinking that, uh, you know, it's not, and, and that's the thing with wrestling. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, look, sometimes it's a bad show, but sometimes it's a bad crowd. And that was, I remember last year, that was a weird pay-per-view to watch because I remember enjoying certain matches, and just waiting for the crowd to do something. It was it was surreal. And, you know, at, at that point in time, and, and now TNA is moving in, in a very, you know, if you're part of TNA right now, you got to be excited in the direction the company's moving in, um, you know, and, and pulling out of the impact zone. And we had talked at length on this show about taking the, the show out of the impact zone. And I, I remember watching Lockdown last year thinking, uh, maybe I was wrong. <laughs> maybe, maybe they need to stay in the impact zone because I, I just couldn't believe how how dead the crowd was, and it really, it, you know, it, it's funny because the crowd, you know, obviously the wrestling and the crowd can, you know, should feed off each other, but you know, sometimes you can have a, a bad event, and for whatever reason, the crowd is still hot, and sometimes you can have a, you know, some decent matches and. The crowd is not into it, and I remember just thinking it, it was weird. It just wasn't. It didn't have a pay-per-view feel. The crowd was kind of dead. It was just. It was kind of an odd night. Um, I I think if I had to predict that it's they're going to get a hot crowd tonight. They've done a lot. Uh, there's so much going on with TNA, and that you know, looking forward, and this is the the start to their new pay-per-view uh, season. Uh, lots of news, you know, it seems like every week Dixie Carter's coming out with, uh, you know, something else, whether it's announcing uh, 
Slammiversary in Boston or we're leaving the Impact Zone or whatever. Like it seems like every week Dixie Carter, it's like stay tuned for Dixie's special announcement. So uh it's been interesting to see where TNA is going. Uh because of the exciting nature of what's been going on with TNA, I would expect a hot crowd. I hope for a hot crowd, but uh uh should be a very good pay per view and I'm looking forward to it. And if we reach that point in our program, you know it. It is time for the Ken Reedy Show. Nah, over the roof. This, I, I love when I hit the sound bed. It just doesn't play right away. <laughs> I love that. And now it's time for crickets, crickets, crickets. Oh, now it'll play. Yes, it's the time of our program we've reached. It's uh, our nod of approval. We talk about something in this wacky world of professional wrestling where we just sat back, nodded to ourselves, and said, yeah, that worked. That was good. And then we do this each and every week towards the end of the show. Dave, we'll get your nod this week. Well, there were a lot of things that took place, you know, in this week in wrestling. Um, you know, obviously, D'Lo Brown and being the vice president of Aces and Eights does not get my nod of approval, so we could scratch that one off the list. But, of course, you know, I could have, I could have given my nod to the return of The Undertaker, um, you know, Monday Night Raw, and the fact that, you know, they they decided to set up a match to determine who would face the Undertaker for his streak at WrestleMania because it's such a big match. I thought that was cool how they did that, but that's not my nod. My nod actually goes to this week, um, to of all people, um, Brad Maddox. Uh, Brad Maddox was on SmackDown filling in for JBL along with uh, Michael Cole, and um, he was pretty funny this week on commentary. And to be honest with you, like, I'm glad that they found some role for him instead of just being the uh, – the, the guy who was, you know, searching to try and find a job. He's a, the assistant to Vicky, and he just kind of snuck up on SmackDown. He was pretty funny. Just He screwed up some lines, and I remember at one point they were Michael Cole and Josh Matthews were, like, previewing the, the upcoming video package of The Undertaker, and uh, and uh, Matt, or, uh, Maddox just got his back turned to the camera or, like, towards the side, and he's, it looks like he's talking to a fan saying, no, I will not give you an autograph, and just his overall tone and sarcasm. I think they found a good spot for him, to be honest with you. And uh, hopefully, um, you know, maybe this will lead to, like, I would like to see him personally sit in the booth, in, in the you know, on Mondays with Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler. You know, you have Lawler as the, you know, seasoned veteran. Michael Cole is, you know, the, 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 the play-by-play, you know, straight, you know, middleman guy. And then you got the, 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 the cocky heel that, that uh, Brad Maddox is. So, I mean, I, I like it. I, I like what I saw on Friday night. I thought it was pretty good. I agree with you. I, I liked it too, and I, I I loved it. I was cracking up in the beginning, and you know it's it, you know you got to think on your feet on TV. And and when he first got on there, he uh, he it looked like he got tongue tied, and he, he kind of said, you know, thanks for the introduction, Michael Cole and Josh. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and, yeah. And he just kind of stopped himself and kind of stared at Josh Matthews, and just. The way he he took like a comedic beat there, I, I was cracking up. I I thought it was great, and it's you know that's one of those things that you look for, especially commentating. You're doing live commentary to be able to think on your feet, and and uh, I I think he would be a a great addition, even if you know 
being a, I, I can't even remember what exactly his title is to Vicky, but uh, uh, was managing assistant to, assistant to the supervising manager, but he the, thinks he's the assistant supervising manager. And, so even if he just uh, you know, in in that position, he could come down every now and again if they don't put him as a regular. But uh, it definitely added an element. I like him. I, I don't know. You know, maybe commentating is the place for him because obviously he's not a big guy. But I, I think his character works. So, yeah, good good nod. Going out to our Facebook, uh, KJ Len, here's an interesting nod. My nod of approval goes to Tensai. He has finally become a credible dancer. Okay. And All right. To say, but why is the WWE wasting his wrestling talent? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, I, I'd like to see... You know, he was a monster. They got, I, I don't know. I, I, I would like to see Brodus more of a monster. But right now, I guess that works. The kids like it, so they're, they're going with it. It's kind of the comic relief part of the program. But uh, but being a credible dancer gets uh, Tensai a nod of approval. Might be the first nod of approval Tensai has gotten on this show. So congratulations, Tensai. And camera, cameraman Carlos. Uh, his nod of approval goes to Tristan Law's in-car speakerphone system. Hashtag Wowza. So, interesting nods coming out of our Facebook. Thank you guys for uh, contributing to the nods of approval. My nod of approval, it's, it's pretty straightforward this week. I'm just going with uh, Del Rio and Ziggler. That was a real solid match. Uh, I, I wasn't incredibly pleased with the ending, but... I, I liked the whole match. I thought the, the, they worked well off each other. Uh, it, you know, it has me looking forward to these guys working together in the future. Uh, you know, they're, they're two guys that it seems like their styles bring out the best in, in the both of them. And uh, it was just a good, solid uh, wrestling match. If you enjoy watching wrestling, you know, it, it was just a good, solid, entertaining match. And uh, so Ziggler and Del Rio... Get my nod of approval and Brad Maddox, Dave's. The Ken Reedy Show, nod of approval. What a show we had this evening. Great times. We got about two minutes left. So uh, thank you all for tuning in to the show tonight. Appreciate your support. We'll be on the AM radio, 1640. Check us out. You can do com or Ironbound1640's website. We'll be streaming through there. We've been working diligently to keep El Rotundo out from interfering with the telephone lines, so hopefully the phone lines will be working on Tuesday, because remember, we will have Kazarian calling in the show, so be sure you want to come and check that out. He'll be letting us know uh, everything, you know, what he thinks about what's going on in TNA. It's an exciting time for TNA. TNA is moving forward, uh, onward and upward from them, and uh, I'd like to see what Kaz thinks about uh, the direction of the company, so be sure to tune in. On Tuesday, and then, of course, next week, our regular slot on Sunday, 6 to 8 p.m. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, you know, next week, next Friday, come on out, Persephone, New Jersey. Yours truly will be there for an NWA on fire 
live event. Looking forward to being there, meeting some of our fans, and seeing some good NWA on Fire wrestling. Be sure to go to nwaonfire.com to get your tickets. Proves to be, it's going to be a great show, so we uh, want to see you guys out there that evening. What a night tonight again. Thank you, Mr. Trivia, for uh, helping us book guests. And uh, cannot uh, thank Mr. Coco Beware, WWE Hall of Famer, for giving us, uh, geez, he gave us a good, solid uh, half hour, 40 minutes. So uh, it was a great interview, a lot of fun tidbits, and uh, can't thank him enough. Dave, great show tonight. Yeah, that, that, that was pretty awesome with uh, Coco Beware. I was, uh, like I said, you know, check that, put that on my resume. That, that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely neat. Uh, Birdman brought it for us tonight, and I'd, I'd love to have him back on. So uh, thank you all for tuning in. It is time. It's a lockdown Sunday. Get on your TVs. Watch Lockdown. For Dave, I am Ken. Thank you all for tuning in, and good night. <laughs>